0: I'm preaching a brand new series. I just want to let people know that I received this in the mail the other day. West Virginia hunters for hungry. I'll put that out. Uh, I'll put that out on the uh, on the welcome table so that you can have it if you are interested in uh, being a part of that. I know we have a lot of deer hunters uh, that are here, and uh, God always blesses you. But it's always good to give back, isn't Jesus good? Hallelujah, praise you, Jesus. Well, Father, I just love you today, and I praise you, God. And I pray that you help me as I preach this word today, and I give you praise and I give you honor. I thank you, God, that no weapon formed against me shall prosper, but Father God, you're going to do great things in this message, and we thank you for it in the name of Jesus. Amen. I just want you to let let you know that my shirt is not on backwards. It's not on inside out, because it has Eddie Bowers right here on the front, and you can see it. Now, if that was inside out, you wouldn't be able to see that. But I don't know why in the world they would make a shirt like that. Probably so you can look at look at somebody going down the street and say, "Man, look at that idiot! He's wearing his shirt inside out." <laughs> it's the only thing I could think of. But anyway, and uh, so let me let me give you a um, let me give you a couple of thoughts on a um, on something that I was listening to this week. There was a guy named Jared Holland. Now understand that the title of the sermon is "A Worker of What." A worker of what? Jared Holland from Michigan said. I had my Jesus on Sunday morning and Wednesday night at youth group. And the rest of the week, I was chasing after worldly things that made me happy. He also said, wow, Jesus died for my sins. Now I don't have to go to hell. And now I can go do anything on my own. See, we assume that people understand the gospel. We assume that people understand it. But, you know, if you've been saved for as long as some people that have been in this room, you can talk the lingo. I mean, you know how to talk the lingo. But if you go up to somebody who is just getting saved or is just walking with their, uh, beginning to walk with Jesus, and they start, uh, they, I mean, you start in some of this stuff, Yes, you know, from the you can have uh, from the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaketh. Death, the, death, and life is in the power of the tongue, and you start throwing stuff out there, and we're covered by the blood of Jesus, and all this kind of thing that we know is true. But you start blowing people's minds when you start talking that way, and that's why they are babes in Christ, and they have to be helped along the process. So you you stop and think. Jared Holland says this that you know Sunday morning and Wednesday night he's getting his Jesus fixed, and then the rest of the week he's out. Chasing his own dreams and own desires that makes him happy. See, and here's what I wrote down. If you think that church is about us, then you've missed it entirely. If you think that fasting is about you, you've missed it entirely. If you think that this church service is about you and what you can get out of it, no, this is where we celebrate Jesus and we give back to him. Yes, he does meet needs and he does bless, but we don't want to miss it. And, and see if if the heart changes, if the heart changes, then everything else changes. But if we don't get uh, if we don't get our heart changed, then then we're in trouble. And and so here here's what you have to think about. And and, and I wrote this down because this is so true. I stand up here for 50 minutes or however long, uh, probably <coughs> probably longer <coughs> than I should. A lot of times and 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 here's the goal the goal of preaching is it to talk you into doing something that you don't want to do is preaching where I've talked try to talk something into you talk to you about doing something that you don't want to do see Jesus needs to be the center of the gospel we have a sin nature that is inside of us that needs to be fixed it needs to be fixed. We have this sin nature, and that's what I preach about all the time, about killing the flesh and not allowing the flesh to to have its reign uh, over your life. And it, w- the sin nature, it can be put into submission, but we have to be careful with it on how we allow God to, to work with us. That's like praying and fasting. You know, it's like, okay, we have the Bible study that we do on Wednesday mornings at 8 o'clock, so we're getting our Bible study fixed, we're getting our prayer fixed, um, at 8 o'clock in the evening, you know, when we're praying. And anybody can be a part of that. But what happens between 8 and 8? So what the Lord is dealing with me about is that, is that I need to not only be, because uh, I'm reading a lot, but he wants me to add prayer into that. Isn't it amazing that he's not, he's not putting the pressure and applying the pressure on me all at once so that I don't shut down. But he's just telling me that if I want to go to the next level, who wants to go to the next level with Jesus? I do. Then I need to up my praying, up my fasting, up my giving. I need to up all these things. And then he will bless. Well, people say, well, no. People say this. They say, well, you know, another level, another devil. No. No. That's not how it works. Another level, more protection. More protection. Because there is no other devil. There's only one devil, and we have the power over the devil in Jesus' name, only by him. So justification, let me tell you what justification is, and this is what we need to look at in our life as we get to the worker of what, and and I'm going to to share some things with you today that may be eye-opening to you. It was to me, and and how it was really eye-opening to me is John Sandy and I do the John John show on Thursdays at 8, and so I encourage you, we've been laughing about that for years, and now It's actually come into uh, come into play, and and he said something that sparked a scripture, and I went straight over to it, and I've been chewing on it all week, and I want to share it with you. Justification is the act of being declared righteous in the sight of God. See, we have been justified. That's right there where you say you say Hallelujah right there. I say we have been justified. Because of the blood of Calvary we have been justified and we have been made righteous people have trouble with that They say, boy if you knew how I lived you wouldn't think that I would be righteous Let me tell you something your spirit is holy your spirit is righteous. It's righteous as God is righteous Let me tell you something your spirit is perfect the flesh Let me tell you the flesh will send your spirit to hell if you let it But we have control over the flesh in Jesus name, but we are justified say Hallelujah See, when we read Ephesians chapter 2 and verse 8, let me go over there if you would. It's on the screen. But in Ephesians chapter 8, it's right there in, not chapter 8, but uh, chapter uh, 2, verse 8. Chapter is not 8 chapters in in Ephesians. But look at this. In Ephesians chapter 2 and verse 8, it says this. It says, for by grace are we saved through faith and that not of ourselves, it is a gift of God. Thank you, jo- Thank you, Jesus, for the gift. For the gift of, of, of grace that I'm saved through faith. You accept him through faith in Jesus' name. Not of works, lest any man should boast. Now, if you go over, I'm not going to go over there uh, into, uh, into Revelation chapter 20, but I'll be sharing this at the, at the graveside service today for, uh, for Charles. It, you have to understand in Revelations chapter 20, and it is so good, there is books. There is a book, if you read Revelation 20, there is a book that has your name in it. It is called the Lamb's Book of Life. Your name is in that if you're saved. If you're not saved, your name is not in that. This is the book that Jesus will judge, that God will judge the world with. And then there are books that were opened. And those books have your works. They're books. It's amazing that there's more works than there's people that have been saved. Because I would think that if there would be people that would be more saved, then then there would be the books of life. But it doesn't say that. But we are not saved by our works. But let me tell you something. We need to be working for the kingdom of God in Jesus' name, and that's what Ephesians chapter two says. So that's where we we draw into the justification process. Now, if you go to John chapter fourteen and verse six, it says, "Jesus said unto him, He said unto him, He says, I am the way and the truth and the life. And what? And who cares what Oprah Winfrey says? There are not, there are no more ways that you can get to Jesus, but only through the blood." And he says that, he says, Jesus said that I am the way, I am the truth, and I am the life. No one comes to me but through the Father, but through me. So you can't do it on your good deeds. You can't do it on who, who you are. Let me tell you something, I absolutely love it. And we shared, we shared this on the Pulse WB Live on Friday night, the talk show that we, we go into politics and Christianity, and it works real well. And, and we, we covered something from um, where Ted Cruz was talking about his new book, and he was on The View. I love it when Christian people get on The View, because those women couldn't be any more liberal. If you looked up the word liberal, Whoopi Goldberg's name and face would be there. I mean, she is liberal. It's hard to believe that she made it in a, in a in a movie called Sister Act where she was acting like a nun. And that's where she made it. But see, here's the thing. What we have to understand something is that we are the, the official position, and here's where people have to be careful in the title of sermon, a, a worker of what? The, the official posi- position of the Roman Catholic Church is that you are justified by faith Plus works equals salvation. It was called the plus religion. See, we obey God because we have a relationship with Jesus. The statement that I'm sharing with you today is that I'm very concerned with. I'm very concerned with this statement of about what I'm, uh, what I'm about to share with you. And it's over in Matthew chapter 7. <laughs> I'm extremely concerned about this particular part. And I've never read it like this, but I will tell you this, that the Lord has given me some revelation on things because I'm uh, spending more time with Him than out chasing all these, uh, all these ideas that people may try to throw at you. But, you know, here's the thing. Stay with Jesus. He will always help you. Over in Matthew chapter uh, 7 and verse 22, He says this. Jesus said this. Many will say to me in that day, Lord, Lord, have we not prophesied in thy name? And in thy name have we not cast out devils? And in thy name done many wonderful works. And then, he says in verse 23, And then will I profess unto them that I never knew you. Depart from me, you work of iniquity. Didn't I prophesy in your name? Didn't I cast out devils in your name? And didn't I do wonderful works? That's what he is saying here. And then he tells them to depart because that he never knew them and called them a work of iniquity. Now, here's what bothers me about that particular, that particular part of the Bible is who is he talking to? I' was sharing with the worship team on Thursday night about this and how I was struggling with this. Who is he talking to? He's talking to the people that work in iniquity, but yet you have to understand is where does casting out devils do? Where does that go on? It doesn't go on in the bars. It doesn't go on in the strip joints. It doesn't go on at work. People aren't casting out devils and that kind of stuff. Where where do people cast out devils? Is is it in the dollar store? Well, is it in the the lobby of the bank? Well, it could be, but what he's saying, what bothers me about that particular part is he said people are casting out devils and people are doing wonderful works. It almost sounds like the church. I, I don't think I've ever cast out a devil outside the church? I don't think I have. Yeah, you may cut somebody's yard every now and then and not charge them. Is that a wonderful work? And then he goes on to say, I don't think anybody's ever prophesied to me in in the cat food aisle at Kroger. I don't think anybody's ever done that. I don't think anybody ever. And and understand something. That prophecy is to uplift, edify, and encourage. Be careful with these people that have prophecies that are so negative. Because, I mean, we have to be so careful of that. But one thing that we have to understand something is that nobody ever has come into when I'm getting cat chow for the cat, and said, Hark, man of God. And to begin to prophesy over me. But I've been prophesied over in the house of God. I've cast out devils in the house of God. I I think that we've done works in the house of God. You 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 so here's what I'm wondering, and here's what I'm saying to you. And, And let me ask you something. Why would a sinner person, why would somebody who is a drunkard or is on drugs or or this kind of thing, why would they be somebody that would prophesy? They wouldn't be, would they? Do you think you'd go to the bar and, and and be up there on the bar with your buddies and Joe Diffie's playing drop me up uh, prop me up uh, prop me up against the jukebox when I die And one person looks at you and they say I feel like that God has a calling on your life Give a, give another round for the boys Do you think think people are that dumb? Okay, understand something, that people aren't going to do that in the bars. They're not going to do that in the dollar store, but they'll do that in the church. What I'm concerned about is that do we have workers of iniquity within the church? Help us, Lord, to do good works in my name. And what do, how do we pray? We, you know, we have, a, we have a blank check when we say, Father, in the name of Jesus, boom, it's a blank check from there. Ask and you shall receive. Seek and you shall find. So here's what I'm concerned about. And here's what we need to do is make it, uh, take a check up from the neck up, is to make sure that this is not us. Many will say to me in that day, Lord, Lord, Have we not prophesied in thy name? And in thy name have we not cast out devils? I don't think another drunk would go into another drunk or another drug addict would go into another drug addict and say, I curse that that foul drug addiction that you have in Jesus' name, and you have the same one. I don't think that the the guy that's drinking a Michelob Light and a Stroh's in in the bar is, is going to look over and say, you got an alcoholic devil on you. I cast that out in Jesus' name. How can you cast out something if you've got it yourself? Got you thinking, didn't I? I've been chewing on this for three days, and I'm unloading all of it on you. Because it bothers me. It concerns me. And, and, and so here's what here's what the New King James Version says of, of Matthew chapter 7, verse 23. Here's what it says. And then... I will declare to them, I never knew you. Depart from me, you who practice lawlessness. So you look up the word, and here, here, here's what I did. Was I went, okay, that work in iniquity. And then that work in iniquity goes to, in the, in the New King James Version, practice lawlessness. Well, you know how my brain works, so I go and I look up the word lawlessness. Contrary to or without regard to the law, lawlessness, violence, and also being without law, uncontrolled by law, unbridled by law, unruly, unrestrained, lawless passion. That's what that means. So we have unbridled, We have unruly, unrestrained, and so, as I begin to think through the process, and I got to tell you something, that when I hit the pulpit this morning, some of this stuff didn't make sense to me even now, but it makes sense to me now, and and here's what I've understood, is that yes, the church can be unruly, the church can walk in being unrestrained, and the church, church can walk unbridled. Lawless passion. These are people who have no concept of authority. Think about this. Have no concept of authority. Rebellion. I couldn't tell you how many people, church folk in my life of 31 years of preaching, that are still mad at me to this day because I told them the truth. But they wanted to live their own way. Do their own thing. Are those the people that Jesus is calling the work of iniquity? Wow. Is that not eye-opening to you? It really is to me. And 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 I'm beginning to think, okay, so the first thing I do is I take a checkup from the neck-up. Oh, God, I pray that's not me. I pray that's not the people of the Pauls. Because these people have no concept of authority. Their lawlessness. But yet, here's what bothers me is why would a heathen, why would somebody who, who is not in walking with Jesus cast out something in Jesus' name? Why would you do that? But he turns and he says, Depart from me. You work of iniquity. I never knew you. So my question is this: Does the alarm? Does this alarm you that he's talking about people who have some knowledge of Jesus? Does that not bother you at all that there are some people that he's talking to that have some kind of knowledge of Jesus? Why? Because I remember years ago when Christy and I first received the baptism of the Holy Ghost and we started. Uh, started on the Pentecostal tour just a little bit, I have learned a whole lot about what was true and what was fake. And God helped me a lot in, in, in this kind of thing. I've seen people get slayed in the spirit and reach down and fix their dress. I've seen spe- people speak in tongues, but yet they live like the devil. And, and I mean, I've seen this kind of stuff happen. And, and let me tell you something. I wonder if this is the people that Jesus is talking to that are church folk. Living one way in the church and living outside another way. And there's many, many, many scriptures that we could add to this. And, and uh, But for the for sake of time, maybe part two will take us this way. But people have a concept of trouble with authority. They want your opinion, but they don't really want your opinion if it's against what you think. Or it's contrary to the word of God. Now in 1 Corinthians chapter 9, or chapter 6, go there with me. 1 Corinthians chapter 6. You may say, preacher, you got too much time on your hands. to. No. It's what I do. Chapter 6, now 9 through 11. Chapter 6, 1 Corinthians 9 through 11. Here's what he says. He's talking about, brother, he, he's talking about, now, ye are not of unrighteous shall be inherited. Let me make sure it's the right one. I think it is. Uh, yeah, it is. Know ye not that the unrighteous shall not inherit the kingdom of God? Be not deceived, neither fornicators, somebody wrote in my Bible, I think it was one of the kids when they were little, and fornicators is kind of crossed out, nor nor adulterers, now look at this, abusers of themselves with mankind, what? What? Really? In, in verse 10, nor thieves, covetous, drunkards, extortioners, shall inherit the kingdom of God. Doesn't that kind of sound familiar from what went on over in the other scripture that I read you? And such... Were some of you, but you are washed, but you are sanctified, but you are justified in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ and by the Spirit of God. Kathy, if you could put that up there again, uh, 1 Corinthians chapter 6, 9 through 11. Let's read that together. You ready? Know ye not. Okay, thank you for reading. Now, is that my word? Read the next one, if you could. See that verse right there, verse eleven, sounds a whole lot better than the others do. But understand something: is that are we? Are we verse nine through ten? Are we that verse? Is that who the church has become? Are we the ones that are casting out devils in his name but yet we're a worker of iniquity because of the fact is that we can't seem to get it right? Understand something, church, is that people in the bar don't rebuke devils. They don't. They don't prophesy. So what I am just telling you that in this last day that we are in, Perilous times, and and, and this is not the first plague that's going to happen, although I do believe the church will be raptured out soon. But what we have to understand something is that there are going to be decisions that you are going to have to make very soon, and, and people are going to try to deceive you. Watch the news. The Democrats are saying this. The Republicans are saying that. Trump is saying this, Biden is saying that. What do you believe? Who do you believe? You have to trust the Holy Spirit. But are we so immature that we don't know the voice of God when he speaks? We have to know his voice when he speaks. This is good. I don't know if you're enjoying it, but I'm I'm enjoying it, but yet I'm alarmed. And then let me take it a step further. Let me throw denomination into it. Now, understand something. Bless you. And let me understand. Let me me teach you something here. My licensing is in the Free Will Baptist Church. I'm licensed through the Free Will Baptist Church. I can marry you and bury you through the Free Will Baptist Church. Some of them are already buried. I was saved a Methodist when I was 11 years old. My dad and I were sprinkled together at the same time, and then I went and played football. We left early, remember? We got baptized and then we left. I had hair then, he didn't and it didn't it got stuck in mine, but it kind of runs down his. But then later on, you and mom and I were baptized and we were, we were dunked. Remember that? Remember Grandma shouting through the church like she did? I don't ever remember in the Methodist church of seeing anybody cast out a devil. Did you? <laughs> we hardly ever. I think I was probably the first one saved in the, in the church that we went to. I, I, I don't ever remember being in the Baptist church and somebody prophesying. So here is where we have to be so careful. Here is where we have to be so careful. We we have to think about this process. We have to think about this process just a little bit. Where does this kind of thing take place? They're not mad. They got something to do. Where does this kind of stuff go on? Goes in a, it can go on in a church just like this can go on in a it can go a, on in a lively church. it could go on in a church of God or, or a, you know a Pentecostal church or and, and believe you me I believe that I'm all Pentecostal. I mean I believe that I, I'm, uh, I'm charismatic. I can fall in line of, with all those things but, but what we have to understand something is that if you're casting out devils and you're prophesying that kind of stuff doesn't go on in a traditional church. And I'm not saying, I'm not denouncing prophecy because I believe it's of God. I'm not denouncing casting out devils because I believe it's of God. And I believe that's that's what we need to do. But we cannot be working in iniquity and lawlessness within the kingdom of God. We have to obey what God is saying. So I'm a little concerned about this. So in 2 Timothy, go over there if you you, you will, uh, 2 Timothy chapter 3. In verses 1 through 5. 2 Timothy, chapter 3, 1 through 5. If you could, start reading here. This know also. Just told you that. Are we not there? Are we not there? We're right there. Perilous times. Here's what that means. Full of danger or risk. That's, that's perilous times. For men shall be lovers of themselves. Let me ask you this. How many people won't let you out on the highway? How many people won't let you over? That right there tells you when I when I used to do Uber a long time ago, I used to tell people in the back seat. I say, "You see that?" I said, "That tells you we're in the end times." That person didn't let us over, but yet they got a bumper sticker that they love Jesus on the back. Hmm. I'm trying to get you to think like my, my like my one of my mentors, Mike Spangler, used to tell me. He says, "I tell you this to get you to think, so that we don't become this and and so perilous times." Yes. For men shall become lovers of their own selves. People are so caught up in their own lives that basically people are saying, to heck with the rest of you. It's like, do we, do we even care about the people that are burning down around us and going to hell? But as long as my family's saved, that's all that matters. So the question is, are we workers of what? And men shall become lovers of themselves, boasters, proud, blasphemers, disobedience to parents. We had a yard sale not long ago in our, in our neighborhood, and we had it in the garage because people, it was right when the corona started, and they do this twice a year, and so Christy had a few things to sell, and. There was a kid that came in, and he was with his grandmother. Because, you know, unfortunately, we have there's many parents that are on drugs to where grandparents are raising their children, and it's very sad. And this kid, Lindsay and I were sitting there. Christy, was, I think she was waiting on somebody. And um, this kid was absolutely talking to his grandmother like a dog. He was a young kid. I looked at Lindsay. Lindsay looked at me. And it was on. <laughs> I'm thinking, you have got to be kidding. Number one, to talk back to your grandmother on top of that. But the second, to talk back to your parents. We're right there. Disobedient to parents, unthankful, and unholy. See, God has called us to be holy. God has called us to be righteous. Those aren't my words. That's what He's called us to be. Now, here's where, and, and a lot of people say, a lot of people think that, and men shall be lovers of themselves. They think that's where the homosexuality movement came in, but it's not. It's in the next part, without natural affection. See, we have such, I mean, it's like, and and people are saying that being a lesbian or being a homosexual or or whatever you may call it, transgender and all this other kind of stuff that people are saying, it's just like, and Jay Mace made a comment on this on Wednesday night. People say, uh, just do you. That is like so far from the truth. We we heard a song that said, just do you. And, And the thing about it is, we have to be what Jesus has called us to be. Well, I'm homosexual because Jesus made me homosexual. That's contrary to the Word of God. Jesus didn't make you that way. Jesus didn't make you transgender. Jesus didn't make you gay. Jesus didn't make you homosexual. Let me tell you something that's all from the pits of hell. And if you believe that lie, then you need prayer. Yes. A who? Feminine? It's crazy. It's amazing. I remember talking to a parent. child was eight years old. The parent looks at me and she says, he thinks he's gay. Eight years old. He thinks he's gay. We didn't know what gay was at eight years old. When we were eight years old, gay meant happy. You know, just like, uh, uh, you remember uh, the Flintstones? At the end of it, they have a gay old time? They couldn't do that now. That's the way they ended the thing and we'll have a gay old time. And then we got back together with the Flintstones the next day and guess what for 30 minutes we had a gay old time. The, oh, I can believe it. Well, but if you go back and, and, and you go back in the scripture uh, and you look at the you, you look at Nickelodeon you look at the, you know the Nic- Nickelodeon channel but then you go back in the Bible and, and, and research the word Nickelodeon in there. God hated. Go back and look at that. Yeah, God hated. That's one of the, time, one of the times that, that, that God actually says that. And you can go back here and look at that. And so I thought that those two things really, really added up. Okay, truce breakers. How many people will really tell you the truth? False accusers. Well, <laughs> I'll tell you, I've been done that way. Church folk, false accusing. Then I looked up the word because incontinent. I looked up that and and I thought, oh, that's got to be something about peeing all over yourself or losing your bow. And I thought, oh, whoa, 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 whoa! How does that line up with God's word? And because that's really what it means. But here's what it says: lack of control, uncontrolliness, restraint. Self-restraint. That's where we are today, church. I mean, this is where we are. And and I don't mean to laugh, but this is is where I'm really concerned. Now, do I think a lot of you people are that way? No, I don't think a lot of you people are that way. I'm telling you what, I believe some of you just absolutely love Jesus. But let me tell you something. I absolutely think that the church and people need to be controlled. Not by me, not by your parents, but by the Holy Spirit, allowing the Holy Spirit to tell you what to do and what to say. How many times have you blown your cool and then you had to go and repent because you were uncontrollable? That part of the flesh has to die. Somebody made a comment the other day. I saw it. I don't know if it was on Twitter or or where it was, but it may have been on, on the news. That they, they hoped, they hoped that the coronavirus killed President Trump. This person said that. Who in their right mind would wish something like that on you? But there are people. I remember being a Jeff Gordon fan growing up, and there was that, Controversy and that that competitive between uh, that competition between Dale Earnhardt Sr. and Jeff Gordon and understand something is both of them made millions over their competitive uh, over them being competitive with one another. It was a marketing scheme. But I remember hearing the Dale Earnhardt fans saying, "Man, I hope Jeff wrecks this week." And then I would say, then, then I would say, and die. Oh, no, not die, but just wreck. We're way far than where we need to be. The church has become a loose living place of worship in many, many places. I pray... I almost cried. I don't. I don't know about you all, but when we were getting ready to start the show on Friday night, when uh, when there were some, when the president was moved over to Walter Reed, and he goes out on the helicopter, and and I almost cried. I don't care if that was Bill Clinton. I don't care if it was Barack Obama. I don't care if it was Richard Nixon. I don't care. If it was George W. Bush or George Sr., I don't care who it was. He is the president of the United States with the coronavirus. And man, I almost cried and I lifted my hand towards the TV and I said, in the name of Jesus, be healed. Who in their right mind would wish something on somebody like that? But is that not where we are? Seekers of their self, yeah. Yeah despisers of those that are good so are these the same people that are casting out devils are these the, sa- these the same people that are prophesying are these the same people that Jesus says I would never knew you because you work in iniquity which means you work in lawlessness which means you're uncontrollable traitors high minded Lovers of pleasures more than lovers of God. Well, let me tell you something. You can look at Facebook and tell that there's people that are more lovers of pleasure than they are lovers of God. Because, and look, I'm not against vacation. I'm not against people going places. I'm not against people doing that. But just, just please listen to me. Don't put pictures that you're at the beach until you get home. Because basically what you're saying is, I'm away from home. Rob me. <laughs> it's like, what's wrong with me? But that's where we are here today. People will go out on a Sunday and hit and miss church. I I was looking the other day. I saw some pictures that somebody had posted. And it was on a Sunday afternoon when they posted them. And I I knew that they were there, uh, you know, because I knew exactly where they were. And, and, And it's like, okay, but they weren't in church on Sunday morning. Oh, we're scared of the coronavirus. We're going to use that as an excuse. That's just where we are in this world. You know, one of the things that Christy said this. Did you know, I was talking to Alan this morning. Do you know Alan went to school with Angie? Yeah, isn't that crazy? She's one of our favorite, she's my favorite sister-in-law out of all of them. There's three more, and, and there's three in there, but she's my favorite out of all of them. I'll tell you later why there are others aren't, but uh, I'm just, I'm just, huh? <laughs> I'm just carrying on. Uh, you're my, you're my favorite brother-in-law. I'm telling you. Uh, I love you, Brady. That's so funny. He's my favorite. That's Dad's favorite son-in-law too. That's the truth. <laughs> pleasures, more pleasures of of. Lovers of pleasures, uh, uh, but yet not lovers of God. I, isn't it amazing that if I asked you today, and look, I love football. I love racing. Not too much on baseball, but, you know, I, I, you know, it's like, but I, I like that kind of stuff. But so, okay, West Virginia wins yesterday. Hallelujah. Glad to see that. Okay, what if the Lord spoke to you about saying okay I want you to take that three hours that you would normally watch that ball game and I want you to pray I bet you some of you all would be like a kid throwing a temper tantrum in Sears kicking and wallering and screaming and we're lovers of pleasure which God God's not against us having pleasure and and doing things I mean I love to fly but If the Lord spoke to me not to fly, but to pray, then I would have to be obedient to Him. See, here's the thing, Sam. Do we want to go to the next level? Do we want to go to the next level? Then praying and fasting and seeking God would be where it needs to be. Almost finished. Here we go. A form of godliness but denying the power thereof. Okay, now let's go back to what I just taught you in the first scripture. Prophesying, casting out devils. Is that not a form of godliness? Because God, because obviously you're not doing it in the bars or the strip joints. You're not doing it there, but this is where we do it. So is the church full of a form of godliness, which means a form, which means that is an imitation of, Form is an imitation of John Christopher just texted me and he says, Do you want to get food later? It showed up on my You only hear from him, it's like you 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 want to buy you wanna take us out and buy us dinner. <laughs> Andy, are your kids that way? Are they? Oh, I see. What? Yes, sir? Because you deny it. No power. No power in the church, a form of godliness which is an imitation of, but yet, but denying the power thereof. That's why we're not here at a four o'clock in the afternoon. That's why we're not here till 3 o'clock in the afternoon. That's why the whole church service doesn't last all day long because people are coming in and people are on their face being saved or being healed. And pride is killing people because they don't want to get saved because if they get saved, their friend, their beer-drinking friend is going to hear about it and they're not going to be able to act like they did or go do what they did. Let me tell you something. Jesus said you didn't have to give up a thing to get him, to be with him. You just go to him and then he'll clean you up. It's a form of godliness, but deny the power thereof. I've told you many, many times. It's one thing to read this thing, which a lot of Christians don't, but it's one thing to read it, but then it's another thing, do you believe it? Do you believe that he shall supply all your need according to his riches and glory? Do you believe that he shall heal your body? Do you believe that he shall set you free from captivity? Do you believe those things? It's the word of God. It's not my words, but it's the word of God that tells us that. Do we believe that Jesus died for our sins? Do we believe that our name is written in heaven like, Rome, uh, like Revelation 20 says? Do we know that there, is a, that, that there is a book that has my works in it? Yes, because the word of God does not lie. So my question is, there's a problem in 2 Timothy chapter 3, 1 through 5, and Matthew chapter 7, 22 and 23. Please tell me, God, that this is not the church. Please, God, tell me that this is not the church. we don't want to be lawlessness. We don't, want to be, we don't want to be that way. We don't want to be in rebellion. We don't want to be that way. The question is this. Are you any of those definitions? You read the scripture. Are you any of those things? Are you a deceiver? Are you a war monger? Are you an adulterer? Are you all these things? Well, let me tell you. What kind of worker are you? Are you a worker of Jesus? or, Or are you a worker of iniquity? John chapter 3, verse 16 says this. John 3, 16. For God so loved your name. Say it with me. It's on the screen where where it says the world put your name in there for god so loved john fowler that he gave his only begotten son that whosoever believeth on him should not perish but shall have everlasting life john 3:17 a lot of you can't have 3:16 without 17 for god sent not his son into the world to condemn the world see jesus doesn't have the right to condemn the world He told the woman that was caught in a very act of adultery, neither do I I accuse you. Where are your accusers, he asked. Told her to go and sin no more. But he says this, he says, For God sent not his son unto this world to condemn the world, but that the world through him might be saved. I want you to do a checkup from the neck up with yourself. Are you any of those things that that we've been talking about today? But yet, you you want to cast out devils, you want to prophesy, you want to see all these kind of things happen, but yet you live one way in the church and then you live another outside. Stand to your feet. Thank you for your attention today. I want to examine, I want you to examine your heart today. I want you to examine your heart today. Let me tell you something, there's only one way to walk and that's walking with Jesus. There's only one way to walk and that's walking with him. So I ask you today, where are you with him? Where are you with Jesus today? You know, I've gone and done research on how how a preacher needs to say certain words that'll tear on somebody's heartstrings to get them to come to an altar and be saved. I've looked at those things. I've done research on that just to see if there was something that I'm missing. Because hardly anybody gets saved in this church. And I'm thinking, why? You know, we've seen people's, people's finances turned around and we've seen you know, God changed people's lives and that kind of thing, but we hardly ever see anybody saved. And you say, well, that's the great falling away, blah, blah, blah. Well, let me tell you something. In the last day, he said he's going to pour out his Spirit upon all men. It's what the Word says. All means all. But you know what? The only thing that I can tell you, I can't give you any fancy-spancy way to get you to drag you to an altar. I, I can't do that. Because if you, don't want, if you don't want Jesus, I can't make you take him. If you don't want him, I can't make you take him. But let me tell you something. It's the worst decision. If you walk out of here today and you're unsaved and you walk out of here today, it will be the worst decision that you have ever made in your life. It will be. You say, well, I'm young, or I'm middle-aged, or I'm, you know, in my 60s, or, you know, however way I am, and and I'll live to be a long time. Really, you you will. You, You promise? Well, Jesus won't send me to hell because I've done good works. You've done good works? Work of iniquity? What kind of works have we done? I want you to get saved because you feel that there's a need. Not because I think that there's a need, because I know there's a need. (coughs) Don't get saved to appease me. Get saved because you don't want to go to hell. And that you love Jesus, and that you want a relationship with him, and you want to change, and you're sick of doing it. You know, the definition of insanity is to keep doing the same thing that you're doing and expect a different result. It's not going to happen. Would you come to Jesus? You say, "Well, why do I have to go to an altar? It's a place where things die." And I love the altar. I think you should come to the altar. Talk to Jesus today. Get saved because you want to get saved. Don't get saved because I want you to get saved. Well, let me tell you something. This thing's winding down. This thing is winding down. It's getting close. Let me tell you something. I don't think there's anybody any better in this church than Kathy Kishner when it comes to end time prophecy. Kathy, is it time short? She studies this stuff. She knows what's going on. Time is short. Could be tomorrow. I hope it's tomorrow. At least before it gets cold. Heaven's at least in the 70s, maybe the 80s. Has to be. Jesus come quickly. Yes. No, because people can't hear you online. You may set somebody free online today. You have to come up here too. You gotta get in the light. You did what? Did you really? JD JD pushed you. We can talk about that later. Did he? Okay, we'll (laughs) talk about that later. (laughs) Um, (laughs) Hold that close. There you go. Because some people want to hear you.
1: As you all know, Michelle and Alan and Timothy have been coming up to the up here from Charleston every weekend and spending it with us. Um, This weekend was no different. Except for one major thing, Um, had somebody in our family tell us just or tell us Friday, tell me and J.D. Friday, uh, be careful at the farm, uh, watch for copperheads. Um, You have said to us many, many times, the tongue is a double-edged sword. Yes. That love and hate is spoken. Death.
0: Definitely.
1: Um, well, I guess you could almost say that it was spoken this weekend. Um, yesterday, before we decided to go looking for coyotes, um, the guys uncovered three copperheads. They were little baby copperheads about like this. Um, Alan has taught his son really well with a gun. Uh, he took a pistol and blew one of the little kids one of the little baby snakes heads off. Beautiful. They just it was great. Only a good snake is a dead snake, okay? So,
0: so proud of you, make sure we hug after church.
1: <laughs> <laughs> but anyway, I, I had always learned so. that growing up that if there is one copperhead, there's two copperheads.
0: You don't you don't have that snake here, do you?
1: No, I don't. Okay, good. Just I just mean I sure. do, but it's not in the building.
0: <laughs> it's in the building. Okay. Um,
1: so anyway, we killed three. One of those guys had said, well, where's the mommy snake? I said, hey, we don't have to worry about mommy snake. It's nowhere to be seen. You know, snakes usually have their young, let wow. them lay, and they go off by themselves. Well, we get up at 6 o'clock this morning um, oh, this from camping. Uh, we had, M- Michelle and I had came into town and got a heater, was warming it up. It's cold the last couple nights. Uh, JD and I and Michelle were in the floor folding up their 24 inch mattress. Mine and JD's air mattress is only eight inches. <laughs>
0: uh, well, that's called a mattress.
1: Okay,
0: it sure was. I heard a guy call it a mattress one time.
1: (laughs) Well, uh, we folded them. No big deal, no nothing. I was outside, I don't know, packing something. I come back in, and one of the guys has got an axe taking it to the floor of our cabin. We found Mommy Snake. She was probably about like this and maybe a little bit bigger around than my thumb, my finger, something like that. Um, Apparently she had came in somehow to the cabin and she was laying in the crease of the plywood and the two before over on Alan's side of the bed. You talk about God saving three. Well, Four of us because we was wallowing around in the floor folding the mattress up. But
0: so you were you were laying on the floor on those mattresses.
1: No, Alan Michelle was on the 24 foot on close the 24. to the
0: snake. And the snake was underneath the mattress. No, it no. was
1: underneath the, the but, but
0: but it was underneath where yes. the mattress was laying. Yes. But on it the was floor. underneath on the floor. Yes,
1: the, between the board and the floor, the plywood, like underneath there, and then their mattress was sitting right there. Rolling it up, reaching across where the snake was, okay? And then J.D. goes and gets down even further. He's rolling, taking the air out. So, and I think Alan even went over there and was helping J.D. fold after he had rolled the, the but anyway. It wasn't, it wasn't there when we were right. He had came out, or she had come out after we had cleared it out. I'm telling you right now, God is great. God saved the five of us. Yeah, he did. Not only from yesterday because of those little, the little snakes, and they're the, mo- the most deadly because they don't know how to control their poison, but this mommy snake was moving. I mean, she was warming up. She was going to, she could strike because it was warm enough in the cabin. We didn't think so, but apparently she did, and she could move. I'm telling you right now, God is the best thing that anybody ever could Thank hope you, for, for pray patient. for. We have the snake out in Alan Michelle's car.
0: It, we, we if you want to, to go look, at it, see, you just go run it in.
1: We were going to bring it in and actually show, you know, but I don't want to be a snake handler, you know. And John is terrified I've, even I've, look, of a dead I've heard snake. It, it was still this morning and
0: about <laughs> let me let me tell you something. Now, Bryce would be right there with you. He would. Yeah, he, Bryce, he would, Bryce would be right there wallering, you, wallering with you.
1: He would.
0: Yeah, they asked me, because I've heard this story. They told it to me this morning. And, and they said, we have the snake in the car. And and I said, do not bring that snake in this church. <laughs> do not bring that snake in this church. Ah, one more member, yeah. If it's a tithing snake, that'd be all right, you know. But
1: It's in two pieces. We don't mind it. <laughs>
0: <laughs> Golly, did! But the best way to kill a snake is to cut its tail off three inches behind its head. Think about that for a minute. Cut its tail off three inches behind its head. Boom! Right there.
1: No, I like it a little bit closer to the nose. There myself.
0: you go. Oh. Thank you, Jesus. In in God, good.
1: He He is good, and
0: He protects us. He protects us when we don't even think we're around danger.
1: He protects us when we were laying in bed last night, laughing and carrying on, and Alan. Doesn't and Michelle, that just like make
0: it even worse?
1: It does. Michelle and Alan <laughs> Michelle or Alan was snoring and Michelle was talking in her sleep, answering to answering Alan. I'm laying there with a heating pad. That snake could have crawled over them, got underneath me to want that warmth. And he's God saved us from that reptile.
0: Yes, He did. Oh, I couldn't imagine. And remind me never to go camping with you
1: all. <laughs> oh no, we've got we've got mothballs all over that place. It's going to stink when we go back. <laughs> but God is awesome, yes, and we can never Jesus. ever forget that. No. He he protects us, uh, he protects okay. us absolutely even when we when we don't deserve it.
0: Yeah. And then we don't think there's danger.
1: No. There was no danger last night when we was laughing and carrying on, but that snake was laying there. She didn't come in last, she came in before we went to bed last night. And I don't know how she got there, but it doesn't matter. She was there. Yeah. But God protected us. He put that hedge of protection around us. I'm thankful. And, and the angels, you know, circled.
0: And God faithful? God's a faithful God. Thank you for sharing that story. Lord, have mercy. Sheesh. Oh, I'll tell you. And I know that the person that will be first in line to want to see that steak is uh, Bryce Steele. He's probably already out there. Oh, there you he He even got a little Baptist right there. He, went, he waved his hand. <laughs> That's so funny you go go look at it, ain't you? Probably. Well, look for me. Hey, that, what she said is exactly right. You know, God protects us when we least, we don't know. We don't know. That's why we have to make sure that our name is written in the Lamb's Book of Life and that we're ready. We can, we plead the blood and pray Psalm 91 over us. And let me tell you something, that's what protects you all. That's what protects me is Psalm 91. He said that he would protect us. I mean, the, you, Megan, Megan, and um, Jacob. Uh, who, who all was there? Who else was with you all in the car during the, uh, the, uh, the derecho? Yeah, so it was all four of you. So, and, and you know, and here in that storm, and they started praying. God protected you, didn't He? God protected you. God's so faithful. He's so faithful. Jesus. We just praise you today. We thank you, God, for your protection. Lord, help us not to leave this world unsaved. Help us not to leave this this world as being a worker of iniquity. But help us to walk circumspectly, as the word says, obeying you, doing your will. We love you, God. We praise you, God. We pray for Barbara and for Karen and for the whole Matthew family here in just a little bit, Jesus, as we celebrate Charles' life at a graveside down the street, Jesus, we just pray, Father, Lord, that you comfort their hearts, and we give you thanks and praise and honor for that in Jesus' name.